welcome to The Block, the Building, Learning, and Organizational Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Kirby, and on today's show, I'm going to tell you about my journey from individual contributor, instructional designer, to L&D leader. This is just one person's story and results may vary, but I've heard a lot of feedback that hearing these real life stories And these real life examples can be really helpful to people facing similar situations. So here we go. When I first got into instructional design, I was so lucky to have an amazing manager. Shout out to LaToya if you're listening to this. Hey girl, I had support. I had a mentor. I had someone who knew that this was my first instructional design role outside of higher education and that I was going to need a little extra love and attention at first, learning how to apply the skills that I was learning in my PhD program, but that didn't really have any real context yet, right? So I was super lucky. And I think that if it weren't for LaToya, I may not have realized so soon that being a people leader and doing what she did was something that I was interested in. And as I kind of examined the work and the work in practice, I really liked the vision, the strategy, the needs analysis, working with people, helping people understand what we do and helping people grow. And, and so it was very clear to me that my path forward was one of leadership. And so When I moved on to my next role, I wasn't immediately clear about it because, you know, I was still kind of trying to play the, oh, I'm a very good team member, plays well with others card, you know, but an opportunity arose at my next job where my boss was leaving and was choosing who would take her place. And I put my name in. And I, I, you know, had a conversation with her and she said, well, you haven't been at the company long enough to lead people. And I'd only been in my role for six months at the time, maybe. And granted, that's not a lot of time. But my point was, I've spent six months building relationships with the people on this team. That's not enough. You have to bring in someone who's never met them. (laughs) To take your place, right? Like it was just odd to me that instead of saying, okay, over the next six more months, I'm going to teach you what I know and, and work with you to be the best manager that you can be. It was, no, you haven't been here long enough. <laughs> and they did go on to hire someone completely external who <laughs> had never met anyone on the team. Um, and so... That was a really pivotal point for me. I actually was called by the recruiter for the next company I worked for that same day I had that conversation with my boss. And she was like, oh, I've been following you on LinkedIn. So that's actually why I left was because I had been told, no, you're you're not my predecessor. You're not leadership material. And it made me really upset Because I did get a little bit of the, you've never been a leader before, you've never been a manager before. But the thing was, I had worked as a professor. So classroom management, it's not the same as people management, but 
it draws from a similar skill set, right? Especially classroom management with adults, especially classroom management with non-traditional college students. These people were as old as my mother, my father, my grandparents, and they had to sit in class and listen to me lecture and go through activities and teach them how to write. That skill set that you use to create that influence, to create that control, to create that you're the teacher, you're in charge, and people are listening to you and doing what you want them to do, that's the same skill set that we draw on to be a manager. And I kind of thought that that might be the case at the time, but I wasn't sure, right? Because I'd never managed people. I can tell you now with certainty, looking back, it's probably easier to manage a team of direct reports than it is to manage a classroom, honestly, because those people in my classroom were paying. And if they missed it or didn't show up, it was it was them. It was their thing. It was their their prerogative, right? Basically. But if people weren't doing what I was asking them to do at work, <laughs> they could lose their pay, their livelihood, right? And so it was far easier to kind of get buy-in from a team that was my team that I hired that reported to me than it was to get, you know, buy-in from my students and get support and have attention paid to me (laughs) and control that, manage really that classroom, right? That doesn't even consider the experience of being an instructional designer and having to get VPs and C-suite members to review what you've created and give you feedback in a timely fashion, right? So that's an, it, it again draws from the same skill set of managing people, whether or not those people report directly to you. Managing people is a similar skill set across the board. At least that's what I can say now in hindsight. So when I went to that next opportunity, When I spoke to that recruiter and I pursued that opportunity, when I showed up, I said, I want to someday be a leader. In the interview, I was like, I want this job. I want to be an instructional designer, but know that someday I want to have my own team and manage people. And I was lucky enough that my boss at the time went, awesome, because I don't want to be a manager forever. I also want to climb the ladder and move up to more of a director role. And so... I was hired and I was put on the path of, hey, here are the types of things that you're going to have to do if you want to be an L&D leader. And we'll talk about those in a minute because that's going to be the advice portion of this episode where I tell you what kinds of things to ask for, look for if you're interested in a leadership role. But let me take a step back. Meanwhile, all of this happening in my professional life was influencing greatly my education and the PhD program that I was part of at the time. And it became the topic of my dissertation to show that instructional designers as individual contributors have leadership skills that are necessary to successfully lead their projects that can translate very well into L&D leadership. And the reason I chose to highlight that was not only to make the argument for myself, should I need to, 
but also because in my quest to become an instructional designer and by my third job in instructional design, I had interviewed with and talked to a ton of L&D leaders. I had talked to a ton of other instructional designers, including people in my PhD program. And one thing I kept running into was that the L&D leaders that I would meet didn't have any formal background in learning and development. And that's not necessarily a requirement, right? We all kind of fall into L&D in our own way, right? It's not one of those kindergarten jobs (laughs) that you grow up wanting to be. But I found that a lot of the teams that had L&D managers who came from somewhere else didn't really understand instructional design or some other facet of the L&D world, whether that be facilitation, certification, gamification, any of the Asians, <laughs> the L&D managers didn't really understand and they weren't really taking the time to understand. I had talked to a lot of people who I was thinking in the interview, huh, I don't think they get it. <laughs> I don't think we would be a good fit because They just want someone who can create pretty slide decks or they just want a bunch of games with leaderboards. And so my argument was in my dissertation that instructional designers are using these skills every day and they know about the field. They know about engagement. They know about needs analysis. They know about adult education. Why are we not promoting more instructional designers into leadership positions? That remains my question today. Why are we still putting people who do not have the experience into these leadership positions where they lead entire teams? In fact, why are we laying off people that do have experience just to turn around and promote someone from within six months later to a position that they're really not qualified for? And I keep seeing this over and over. So here is my my pitch to you as an instructional designer or facilitator or a learning designer or learning consultant or training specialist, whatever your L&D title is, if you aspire to L&D leadership, here's my suggestion. Number one, be honest with your boss like I was. I think that was one of the best moves I could ever have made because I was very clear about it. And when I continued to interview for formal management positions after that, because unfortunately I didn't get to realize my dream of leading people at that organization because I was laid off due to COVID. In the next organization, I was hired as a people manager. And it's because of all the work that I did at that place with the help of my boss that enabled me to get that next position. But I was very clear about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be and that I didn't want to just stay a manager. I actually got passed over for a couple of positions after I was laid off during COVID because I was very clear that I wanted to continue working my way up. And one person I interviewed with looked at me and went, we don't have a director of learning role here. And I said, oh, that, you know, that's okay. Like, And she was like really mad and didn't want to talk to me. And the whole interview just went really downhill really fast. But 
I avoided a stagnant opportunity and I'm glad. So the first thing I'll say is just be really transparent and honest with your manager about your desire to lead. If you feel like you cannot safely do that, I understand. But if you can and you feel like you've built that rapport, share that with them. Share because they might have ideas of how to assign you stretch projects that you don't even know about. And that's what happened to me at my job. We were hiring a contractor because we needed extra help on our team. We'd lost a couple team members and we were reorging and we needed some extra help. And my boss said, would you like to manage the day-to-day work of this contractor as, you know, a stretch project, as a way to see how you feel about people leadership, give you a taste of what it's like. Like, I will still sign her timesheets. I will still do all the logistical stuff, but the day-to-day work, how about you manage her and direct her and help her? And I did, and I enjoyed it so much. It was so great, and it was such a great opportunity. The second thing that you want to do is to upskill, right? This is a career change. And I say this about moving from education to instructional design, but it's also a career change to move from instructional design or facilitation or consulting or whatever it is you're doing into a people management role. It's, again, a shift in your career and requires upskilling. So figure out what your gaps are. For me, that looked like taking some actual leadership and coaching courses And my company professional development budget supported that. And so I was able to learn more. But also I needed to learn specifically about the wider learning and development world, right? So I had some things that I needed to learn about organizational development, company culture, DEI, because I was kind of a a bit narrow in my instructional design work that I needed to more broadly understand L&D. I had done a ton of work with learning management systems. I'd done a ton of work with needs analysis and data, but I was really missing some organizational development, change management pieces. So really look at that full gamut of L&D and see if there's anything that you're missing that you could work on and that you would enjoy working on because you're not going to be able to know everything possible about L&D, right? It's such a broad field and it varies so much depending on where you work. So really just kind of look at where you're at. If you're interested in staying there, what are the skills that you would need? If you're interested in going elsewhere, what are some of the broader L&D skills that appeal most to you? Work on upskilling in those areas. And then if all else fails, Begin applying early, right? Sometimes the only way to move up is to move out, unfortunately. And you have to kind of really do a risk assessment here, right? This economy, this job market is unlike anything I've ever seen. If you were going to do a transition from individual contributor to leader right now, and your plan was to switch jobs to do so, I would very much caution you to maybe stay at your current job until you're (laughs) you've signed the offer letter for that next job because everything is so volatile and unfriendly right now but that said realize that sometimes the only way to get a promotion is to leave and to you know become a people leader in another right and that's what happened to me and not on purpose 
but that's how I ended up doing it. And it took some time. It took me quite a bit of time after being laid off after COVID to find that next role. And it required me to revamp my resume and frame my experiences differently. This is where my dissertation really helped me to bridge that gap. And I talked a lot about the projects I led as an instructional designer, the support and influence I had during those projects, the different kinds of people from different levels of the organization that I worked with, and really spoke to collaboration and communication and those skills. I also have a bonus tip for you, which isn't always feasible, but if you can find an opportunity to lead people that isn't your full-time job, sometimes that is a really good bridge. Now, when I was laid off due to COVID, the only work that I could find in the midst of quarantine was contracting work for a startup learning management system company. And I told them, like I had been telling everyone else, my goals to become a people leader. So I immediately got to lead all of the other contractors. That was a 3D animator, a videographer, the marketing writer, an intern. So it was like a very wide array. But it was something that I was able to do that I could put on my resume that showed actual people management skills. So if there's something that you can do, this is the bonus tip as a side hustle or volunteer work, right? If you can volunteer and lead a team of volunteers and do something for your children's school or a charity that you care about, it's a really great way to add that that concrete people leadership to your resume. I hope this has helped give you a few ideas on how to have a clear path towards L&D leadership and a clear path towards upskilling to get there. And if you've been kind of mulling the idea over and you're not really sure if you want to lead people or not, and you've been kind of looking for a sign if this is the right thing to do or not, and this podcast has made you feel excited about the possibility, let this be your sign. Here it is. Try it. At least try having the conversation with your boss or your manager if you trust them or a mentor if you don't necessarily think your manager or supervisor would be open to it. Start to talk about it. That's the only way that you can really decide if it's for you or not. I wish you the best of luck in your climb up the ladder. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more great L&D resources, connect with me on LinkedIn or visit getusefulstuff.com.